I'm Vigo Blumquist. And I'm Anoy Padar. And this is Dorm Stories. Hey everyone, we're back here for episode 5. We have Naomi Haller, the leader of Sunrise Columbia. Before we kind of get into this interview though, there's a town hall this Saturday. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's called uh, the Green New Deal Town Hall. And essentially it's going to be in Barnard 302 at 3pm this Saturday. And at this town hall, we just want to really kind of have this conversation um, happening in the community about the Green New Deal and how that investment will look like at the small scale. Because obviously, you know, in um, Congress and in, in politics, like we talk about these big plans, but at the end of the, at the, end of the day, it's going to be an investment um, within, you know, New York, within um, Harlem and, and Upper West Side. So just getting that conversation going, we have uh, three panelists. So one is... James Keith, who is running for Congress, uh, New York 13th District, which is right above ours. And um, there's a Megan from 350 New York City, and then a professor from the Union Theological Seminary. So there's going to be three people speaking, and then we'll have conversation, and there's going to be a bunch of food and drinks. It's free. They're free, so you guys should come out. Wow. That, at the very least. That's like a lot of fun. <laughs> so, like, what exactly is Sunrise, then? Great question. So... Sunrise is a uh, climate activist movement that seeks to stop climate change but create millions of good jobs in the process. And the way we do so is by um, creating people power, so like bringing people together, and and then also by you know acquiring political power and, and, and by voting in people that will actually be fighting for climate change, and by you know making our making politicians sign no fossil fuel money pledges which essentially ensure that we reduce the amount of um, corruption within our government. And what Sunrise does is we unite the people power and the political power towards this common objective. So what was your path like in activism then? Oh, man. (laughs) So, you know, I've been asked this question, like, how did you start activism? I I think to better understand what got me into activism, um, I need to talk about kind of my own story, and I think in all activists, there's there's a story that they cling on to. Um, and for me, it was when I so for climate change. I mean, when I was eight years old, I remember watching um, the Inconvenient Truth by Al Gore, and I uh, remembered watching the movie. I mean, it was so complicated; I didn't understand what was going on. But I remembered seeing a graph of the rising CO two emissions, and which was like, I mean, it just spiked in the last. 30, 40 years, and then I saw the rising global temperatures, which spike in the last 30, 40 years, and I remember as a kid just being so blown away, like how, wow, we as humans are creating this, and what was even scarier for me was um, the predicted damages, and they said that, in 2006, they said that in in 10 years, we would be facing massive wildfires, flooding like we've never seen before, you know, hurricanes, um, um, droughts, like crazy droughts. And, and so I was, like, so afraid, but, you know, I trusted our government, I trusted the people in power to um, prevent this from happening. And, you know, I waited, I got older, I got older, and, and obviously nothing really happened. And, and, and then in 2017, um, Hurricane Maria hit the Caribbean, and actually half of my family lives in the Caribbean. So I just remembered, um, like, I'd be on fa- I saw it on Facebook, actually. I was sitting on my computer, and I was scrolling through... And all of a sudden I saw, you know, Hurricane Maria was about to hit the Caribbean. And I was just terrified. I was absolutely terrified uh, because this abstract thing that I'd heard about, heard about for so long was 
finally impacting me. And so I remember going on Facebook every single day, like checking the feed, checking to see uh, if if, the, if Guadalupe, my island, where my mom is from, um, was gonna get was destroyed. Uh, luckily, it was only hit by a level three hurricane. But after that moment, I said, no more. Like I'm not gonna sit here and just let this happen to me and let this happen to the people that I love. I need to be taking action. I need to be ensuring that. I help stop this disaster that that like a hurricane is going to hit the Caribbean again it's, and it's going to hit my island again. So I want to I want to protect the people that I love more or less. Um, and so that is what catapulted me to um, being having that energy and having that motivation to start fighting climate change. And more specifically with Sunrise, actually, just like I saw Hurricane Marie on Facebook, I actually saw a viral video of Sunrise movement in November of 2018. And it was this young kid, Jeremy, who's 18 years old, just pouring his heart out in the hallways of Congress and, and just speaking about how, no, like he wasn't going to take this anymore and that politicians had to stand up. And it just spoke to me. It struck a chord. And like right after that, I went on the website, you know, I helped organize and that just started it all. And now I'm here. Uh, you know, I founded the Sunrise Columbia Hub in January. So that was two months after I saw the video. So it was just like this buildup of, of, of like essentially turning this anxiety and this anger into productive action and to activism. Yeah. And you're the leader uh, of the hub here in Colombia. And really to <clears throat> be a leader in any kind of activism, you really have to be able to kind of inspire and encourage people. Right? And clearly you're very charismatic. But like how Thank would, you. How, <laughs> you're so nice. <laughs> but how would you go? How, how do you go about that? Yeah, I, so this is a great, great, great question. And uh, I think it, it changes where, wherever you are. And uh, co Columbia context is people have shit to do. I mean, that's what it is. Like, they got school, you know, they're probably doing three other clubs, and they're probably taking way too many classes. And I think at the end of the day, my mentality has always been, if I can get one person on board, then I have done my job. If I can get one person on board, if I can make them become, if I can turn them into an activist, or if I can... Um, just get people involved. I've done my job. So it's, it's like constant optimism, really. Uh, like the first action that I led in November of last, of last year, uh, three people came. I, I messaged hundreds of people, like personally messaged hundreds of people. Three, three, three people came and I was thrilled. Like I was so happy. And then the next one, I organized another action in December where we went to, uh, at the time it was, uh, Congressman Nadler's office demanding, uh, select house committee uh, for a, new, a green new deal and that second time i brought 13 people i was like yo this is great you know it's huge it was huge yeah it was like you know massive yeah it was, it was, it's, the numbers look good great yeah but i didn't even but the things i didn't even think about the numbers i was just like i brought in more people yeah and then and then i started the hub in the first hub meeting 40 people came wow. to the first meeting and it was it was insane it was fantastic and so i think what I think what can hold people back sometimes is like feeling this need to bring you know everybody on board, having having them be massively committed. You know, you don't need that. You just you have I have myself, so a lot of what I would do is just like me, me taking the initiative and doing my work, and then just people got on board. You know, and I think they they must have seen something that was that they related to. 
Um, and I just wait for people to get on board, basically. Yeah. And also, I cast, I cast the net wide. I mean, for all of my meetings, I was, like, in the beginning, I was messaging hundreds of people, mm-hmm. which I'm sorry if I, like, have been spamming you. <laughs> I know a couple people, they're like, dude, I'm not even here. I'm studying abroad. I'm like, oh, no. But, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but, you know, so at the end of the day, I think that, that definitely is kind of what helped get this thing going. Um and it's been a great journey. Yeah, it's been really good. Impressive. I have a quick question. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, so you mentioned <clears throat> Jeremy, who spoke and yeah, uh, spoke to you, and you personally had this personal experience with climate change. Do you feel like how do you bring people in that don't necessarily have? Is that one of your questions? No. No. I, uh, that don't necessarily have, I guess, a really strong personal salient connection to the cause. So. That's a really important change of mentality. And, and this has been an issue within, I mean, um, something to address within the, the hub as well is, is everyone has something to lose to climate change. We all have something to lose. Um, for some people, it's more tan- like tangible. For example, for me, my family's in the Caribbean, and it's one of the, you know, it's a very vulnerable area. Um, I mean, they got hit by, what, three hurricanes in, in, in one summer? I mean, that's insane. Um, it was two hurricanes. Either way, but it's a lot, a lot of hurricanes. And, but for other people, it's a little bit less tangible, so they, they feel like they have nothing to lose. But in reality, our, we, we have the stability of our climate to lose. We forget that, that our entire economy, our society depends on a stable climate. Um, and so that is something, you know, for example, and that is something that a lot of Wall Street people are preparing for. They're buying out these lands that are going to have more water during droughts. I mean, there's just going to be a massive change in our society if we don't address climate change. So, um, and I think that is something that has brought people more in. I think I think the losing of stability is something to lose. Like, for example, Jeremy lost nothing to climate change. Actually, Jeremy didn't even talk about climate change in his, in his, in his um, speech at the, in, in uh, Congress. He actually talked about the Holocaust, funny enough. And he talked about this this kind of having as a young person to put on this weight of society and putting on this weight of of trying to take care of everyone else is in itself losing something and unfortunately our generation has been given the weight of fighting for everybody else um but at the end of, at the end of the day what's what's the solution i mean the ipcc report released by the united nations says we have 12 years to transform our economy we have 11 years now we have 11 years mm-hmm. to transform our economy uh, 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 unless, uh, you know, if we don't, then we're going to have this massive, massive instability like we've never seen before. And, and in 11 years, I'm going to be 32. I mean, how is that is wild. And then 2050, that's, I mean, for some people, like politicians, what, how old are they? They're like 60, 70 years old. They're like, Psh, 2050, I'm dead. 2050, <laughs> I'm 52 years old. So that's, I have kids. I have, I mean, there's so much we have to lose. It's just, so everybody has something to lose, essentially. That's kind of what I, I try to really nail in the head, and it's, it's so true. And, and, and when people see it, it's, it's, it's amazing to see that transformation when, when people realize, um, because it is, it's a number one issue. And, and, and again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, sorry, you know, I'm ranting a little bit, but, but it, it impacts uh, communities of colors disproportionately. I mean, there is this, this, this thing, is the fact of the matter is, is that climate change is a social issue, because... Mozambique had Mozambique had that that cyclone. It killed 400 people over that. No one talked about it. What's Mozambique made up of? You know, black people. And then Notre Dame burns. 
we give billions of dollars, no one died. Absolutely no one died. I mean, there's just this 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 thing. The fact of the matter is, is as this continues, you know, the U.S. is going to be able to kind of deal with it. I mean, we're you know, for example, right now in New York, there's a lot of uh, fringe communities, pe- communities of color that have been already facing the impacts of pollution and of uh, 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 like asthma and all these sorts of things. So we don't take care of those people anyway. So that's you know, that's already a thing in you know in the United States. But that sort of inequality, that sort of not taking care of our communities of color, that's going to increase as these sorts of disasters occur. So all, all, all I'm saying is that climate change is an intersectional issue, that, that, and, that, and that's actually a big reason why I am part of this as well, it's because I, I'm, I was part of the Black Lives Matter movement, and, and this, is, this is part of that in a lot of ways. Anyway. Yes? Next. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But I mean, you're talking about, about making people aware. Um, you guys had a strike we this, did. this semester, and I hear was very successful. It I was. hear there were politicians here. What was the environment like? What, that, what, it was, what, what, what went down? That was wild, man. That was great. I just, that was like the peak, you know. It was uh, so Governor Jay Inslee of Washington came and spoke, um, which which was really great. He's also um, running to be president, although he actually needs some more money. Uh, apparently, you need to have like sixty five thousand contributions in order to be part of the debate and so either way just plugging it if you guys want to give a dollar to jay and say do it because he, yeah. he's essentially running his entire campaign on climate change and and making sure that it's part of the conversation right. um although it might be less necessary now as beta work has just declared his own plan um so so i mean you know still maybe give the, do- the guy a dollar uh so either way so the climate strike was essentially um in this international strike called on by um, Greta Thunberg, Thunberg actually, it's Greta Thunberg, and she started doing that like a couple months ago in Sweden, and so ever since it's just been like a growing thing where every Friday kids go out and strike um, from school because what's the point of getting an education if we're going to be living in an extremely unstable world? Uh, What's the point of getting an education if your school's underwater, you know, so that's kind of, that's kind of that, that, um, the reason why people, the climate strikes have been going on. And so, uh, more specifically, on March uh, March 20... What day was that now? 24th? I, I said it so much before. Uh, but in March, we, we, held, we, we hosted the climate strike, and it was also in parallel to a bunch of other climate strikes in New York. And, like, two, you know, a little over 200 people showed up. We had NBC, MTV... On uh, uh, the years of living dangerously, we had New Yorker actually wrote an article. Um, Fox was there too. It was it was wild. There's so much media and um, and it was just really cool to see. And it's something that's changing. Is media is giving room to kids, to young people. Actually, I went to this to this um, roundtable with all of these activist groups, uh, these climate activist groups for this event they want to host in in September. And literally, there was a moment, and you know, most of them are kind of old, and you have, you have some young ones too, but a couple old, older people there, and they were like, okay, guys, we need the young people to be, you know, to be heading this initiative. And that, I think that's what's been amazing with, like, with the, the climate strike, it's just how the media, the, the, the older generation, they are giving us the stage. They want us to lead, and, and, and that, that was amazing. And at, at the climate strike, we had uh, people share their stories about how they you know, how they've been impacted by climate change. And we had, uh, what was her name? Like, she, she, Bastida, was amazing. She is this uh, high schooler 
who is just like spoke at the UN about climate change and all that stuff. Great, great uh, high schooler. And then there was Alex Lozniak, who's actually a senior here at Columbia. Who we want, he's like a pre-law. And he, he actually is, is suing the, the U.S. government uh, for, alongside, uh, I think, 20 other plaintiffs. And they're suing them for, for, for uh, climate change, actually, for not doing anything. And that's that's actually in the Supreme Court as we speak, hmm. uh, which is amazing. So he spoke. Uh, I mean, it's just it's just, it's fantastic to see all these young people uh, being a part of that. And I spoke. Jamesley spoke. He was he was interesting. He's he was yeah he's a cool guy. <laughs> but yeah, so <laughs> yes, that was the climate strike. <laughs> I mean, I mean, speaking of younger leaders or appearing, you're a senior. You're graduating. I am. What, what's the yeah. what's the plan? <laughs> What's the plan? So next year I'm going to be doing uh, sunrise activism full time. So I don't exactly know where I'm going to be, but I'm going to be leading trainings. And um, from what I know, from what I've heard, I, essentially I'm going to probably be based in D.C., but um, we're going to travel around and go across the United States. And there's going to be different bases, but um, and training people to, to be ready because we know that climate change... Like, Climate change is going to get worse. This is a, something that we actually can depend on. It's going to get worse. There's going to be more droughts. There's going to be more flooding. There's going to be more disaster. Um, and we're preparing for essentially um, this moment where, where, where our country has had enough. And so we're training people. We're training. Uh, we're, we're setting up infrastructure so that when that moment comes of this national reckoning, we are there and we have this sort of infrastructure set in place um, to be able to channel that energy and channel that energy in a way that will actually create climate action and, and climate change. Uh, and not climate change, sorry. Climate, not, we don't want more climate change, you guys. No, but basically create, uh, 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 help institute actual plans. Like, for us right now, the Green New Deal is, is, is a, a fantastic plan that, if, in, if implemented, would um, offset our emissions enough to, to, stop, to, to help stop climate change. And not only that, it'll stop, you know, it'll reduce our emissions significantly, but it'll also help rectify the systemic inequalities that our country has not done a good job at, at rectifying, like massive inequality. Um, like, for example, a, a big part of the plan is, is so can I talk about the Green New Deal? Yeah, and I mean, a lot of people have to say, <laughs> yes. not a lot of people, <laughs> but do. some people who are against it will say it's unrealistic. It's, you know, it's so a bunch of bull. So why don't you describe no, what it is it, and then... And then that's you no, know, you know it. It absolutely is because it's funny, it, it, and 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 I remembered feeling that way a little bit. But what the Green New Deal is, it's 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 an investment in the American people, and it's also an idea of an investment in the American people that's fair, and that and that ensures that people are treated well. That's for me. That's the broad strokes of the Green New Deal. And for some reason in this country, treating citizens well is 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 unrealistic. I mean. I don't know. So, for, so either I'll, let me talk about the Green New Deal and, and how it is feasible. Um, so for those who don't know what the Green New Deal is, it's essentially this large-scale coordinated plan that would help transition a country to a um, to help you know reduce our emissions, um, but also to help rectify inequality. Like that's I know that's that's a very broad explanation, but let me go more into depth. So the first thing is that the green it's like a three-pronged approach. The first part is we need to be fixing the U.S. system in a way that will help transition us off of fossil fuels. Uh, for example, helping 
fix our infrastructure. So uh, there's a huge issue that our, our, our grid, our energy grid is actually based on fossil fuels and our grid is also um, is inefficient. So one of the first things that the plan wants to do is to help fix the grid so it can be more based on solar energy and on uh, wind energy and also to have it be so it's more efficient. But then so then, so then you have an infrastructural investment and then you have also an investment in, in, in actually in, in the um, private sector. So investing in green uh, uh, businesses and in green in, in, um, initiatives. Also investing in communities. So like, for example, there's this awesome dude who is taking out, uh, who basically is taking up uh, uh, ex-convicts or ex-prisoners uh, uh, and also taking people, taking people up who have, who haven't had, uh, their, who don't have their high school degree, who dropped out of high school, and he takes them and basically trains them into, um, into like becoming a plumber or, or like into these sort of what are, what are those called trade schools? He puts them into trade schools, and one of the things they're doing actually is he takes these people who have been left behind in our system, who really have very little voice uh, as of now, and he actually is training them to take up green jobs. So like. Training them to be able to to uh, uh, build solar panels or, or help you know uh, uh, um, fix wind you know what was it called Turbine. turbines thank you like that's super cool and so the, the people like him would receive money from from the Green New Deal and and it would help them expand um, and also the so that's the first part the first part is this massive investment in communities who have systemically lacked in those opportunities job opportunities so like working uh, um, for example black communities uh, indigenous communities. Um, low-income communities, like all these areas, just lack lack those sort of jobs that that would help them kind of live up to the American dream. So that's that's the second part. And then the third part is to make sure that these jobs actually pay well and that these jobs um, treat their workers well. So, for example, these jobs are unionizable. And also, there's also the last part which people are so you know up in arms about is the fact that they want to make sure that there's universal health care. Um, and the fact that also that anyone who wants to work can have a job. So the, the fact of the matter is, is that there's going to be so there's going to be so many jobs, all these opportunities. That's the Green New Deal. Now, how are we going to pay for it? Okay. So first of all, that's you know, and again, and then I know for some you know people who might be listening are like, this is a terrible reasoning. But do we ask how we pay for th- like? Did we ask how we we're going to pay for all these wars? Did we ask how we we're going to pay for all these tax breaks? No, I mean, but but in a lot of ways, how we're going to fund this is in the same way that we fund those tax breaks and how we fund these wars through uh, thought-out congressional spending. Now, a thing that's unique about this, though, is that actually this is an investment. So by investing in the people, you're actually going to increase your taxable base. So a lot of these workers are going to be making, you know, middle-class money, minimum, you know, not minimum wage, but they're going to be making enough money where the government is going to be able to tax them. So actually, in a lot of ways... Uh, the Green New Deal, according to you know its framework, is predicted to be able to pay itself off as well. Uh, I mean, making the grid more energy—I mean, it being more energy efficient—is going to save money. Renewable energy is, you know, and now it's like the cost of renewable energy is going significantly lower. So, you know, yeah. So, 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 just trust in it, <laughs> believe in it. It's like uh, you know, FDR when he proposed the New Deal, um, people were up in arms about it. Like it was extremely difficult to help implement the New Deal, which gave us social security and gave us a lot of these social programs that we that we depend on today. And so in the same way, I think the Green New Deal is going to have this sort of uphill battle, but it's, if you look at it, I, uh, uh, funny enough, actually, James Keith is, who was speaking at the Green New Deal town hall, he's running for Congress, he's actually started a bunch of like companies and things. He just said it's actually not ambitious enough. <laughs> he's like, this is, this is actually not, like, 
they could have done more. Uh, you know, I think I think fighting, you know, getting the Green New Deal in place already will be good. <laughs> but but just just I'd say just be skeptical because on TV they love to just hype up how unrealistic it is and all that stuff. And it's if you actually read the plan, it's not it's not that bad. It's you know, and also okay, I'm sorry, real quick, another thing. I read I've read uh, after this book called After Nature by uh, Party, and it's just a great book that talks about kind of like the anthropos like uh sorry shoot um yeah how basically we live in a time now where our actions uh, uh what we do as humans is actually impacting our climate and and like the, the nature is no longer this sort of like untouchable thing and we now have to be conscientious of it and he actually says in it that uh nowadays we lack national imagination we lack this sort of like driven goal-driven mentality that that actually happened in the 30s and 40s and he actually says that you know it's really important that we 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 call upon this national imagination and because in reality it's fe- like a lot of these things are feasible we just have to have that sort of focus and that belief for that to happen like social security you know it is feasible we got it you know we have that so either way um yes yeah. Thank All you. right. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you, Naomi. Yes. Big congratulations to both of you for five beta kappa. Woo! Yeah. But anyway, check out an episode description for more info on this town hall on Saturday. Um, but yeah. Yeah, more great conversation to follow. If you disagree with some of the things I said, come on to the Green New Deal town hall. We could talk it out. Yeah. If you agreed with the things I said, come on out to the Green New Deal town hall. We'll talk it out. You have no opinions, still come. Come on out to the Green New Deal Town Hall. We'll talk it out. Great.